uh, I want to direct us first of all to Psalm 81. And if you can be turning there, I'm going to read several verses from the 81st Psalm, and then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'll just read two verses from there. But in my personal reading, I was in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and um, and the Lord, through some of the, uh, the um, United Prayer devotions that we've been having, brought my mind to Psalm 81 when, we, when I was reading 2 Corinthians 7, and it really didn't connect in my heart until late last night that there's quite a parallel here. And I'm not finished studying this. This is one of those things that's got me going, and um, and I think maybe you will be intrigued with the parallel, but there's a dramatic parallel, um, it appears to me. So, in uh, Psalm 81, as we read these few verses, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, even in these two passages of Scripture, what might you pray back to the Lord? What text if we're reading through this and the Lord touches your heart with a portion of the text that I may or may not even address, but God addresses it to your heart, then let's pray these things back to the Lord. Um, and I'd, I'd like to um, tie in something else before we even read the text, and that I already mentioned that we're heading into the weekend. This is the, the day of preaching and teaching, public corporate preaching and teaching on the Lord's Day. But in our church tomorrow, we have our communion service, the Lord's table. And um, I often think, even in advance of that table, that this is, a, this is a, a service that we should approach reverently. This is a servant service that we should approach rejoicing in the, sacrifice, the sacrificial death of Christ and I usually then tie in the resurrection of Christ, but also the inward look of a heart that we bring before the table of the Lord, that we actually evaluate our lives before we even come to the table. And uh, that's kind of where my mind was as I was reading through these texts. And so um, the word repentance uh, surfaced, and I'm at a, as I read these two texts, I just could not help but come up with a thought that God's blessing is tied to repentance. And in my life, and I would assume I'm not the only one, but in my life, repentance is hard. Repentance is grueling. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's one of those things I would rather not repent of sin. I would rather get away with sin. Uh, I would rather, um, I mean, there's, there could be bitterness, there could be pride, there could be selfishness, there could be um, impure thoughts. But in order for us to have the blessing of God, we have to deal with our sin. And I want to encourage us to deal with sin in our lives before we get to Sunday. And before we, if you happen to be participating in a communion service tomorrow, as as we will, even before adoring Jesus Christ for what he's done for us. So I've just put four words together. God's blessing involves repentance. And we're asking for God's blessing in revival. We're asking for God to work. But may God work in our hearts first, as we've prayed many, many times, even before he works in somebody else's heart. So Psalm 81 is uh, really, a, we've, we've been in Psalm 81 many times as a group, but Psalm 81 verse 6 says, I removed his shoulder from the burden 
his hands were delivered from the pots. So this is God's people being led out of Egypt. Thou callest in, thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people. I mean, look at that, the heart of God, the anguish of God. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee. Neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. I mean, sense the passion of the Lord, wanting to bless his people. Verse 11 of Psalm 81, but my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. I mean, how, we look at Israel and we say, foolish, how foolish can you be to see what God wants to do and turn your back, and yet, Rick, how foolish are you? Verse 12, so I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. Can we sense the burden of the Lord? Even around this phrase, that God's blessing involves repentance. Now take that tone of our God, and please go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And we're just going to read um, verses... 10 and 11, two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, if you know the context of this, Paul has written a letter that he thought maybe was a little harsh, but it generated repentance among the, the readers. And But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10 says this, For godly sorrow, let's call that repentance, Worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. So there's a difference between repentance and, re- and regret. Okay, we can be sorry we got caught, and uh, or we can have an insincere repentance. Um, verse eleven: For behold, the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort. What carefulness is wrought in you? Yea, what clearing of yourselves? Yea, what indignation? Yea, what fear? Yea, what vehement desire? Yea, what zeal? Yea, what revenge? In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Now, this verse 11 <laughs> is, is where I spent my time. And... Uh, and this is where I'd like to spend a little more time before before I really let this go. But there's surgery being involved here. There's surgery being done. And um, God's performing surgery in the hearts of the, of the people that Paul's writing to. And the result of the surgery and the gift of God to them is their repentance. And then he just shows what happens after they repent. 
And I'm thinking, this is what God was after in Psalm 81. He was wanting, wanting the people to repent and follow him. And he would have, he would have uh, um, caused much blessing to come their way. And here is the blessing that he gave to the readers of this letter. Um, verse 11, for behold, the this, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after, after a godly sort. So he's basically saying, look at, look, at, look at what happens when you repent and you get closer to the Lord. What carefulness is wrought in you. So this has to do with you, you become eager to do what's right. In other words, there is a very serious, a, a very great seriousness about your life. You have purpose. You, your sight is to please the Lord. Um, what carefulness is wrought in you? That's, even if it stopped there, even if the verse stopped there, that would have been enough fruit of repentance. Um, you have a new eagerness to do right. That's revival. That is God's fruitfulness in the life of a repentant person. But he goes on. Um, Yea, what clearing of yourselves. And this took a little while to, to figure out, at least for me. But there's, a, there's an eagerness about integrity in this, in this text. There's a, a what clearing of yourselves. In other words, you want, you want to be above board. You want to have high integrity. It's more about what God thinks about you than what anybody else thinks about you. You want to be above board. What clearing of yourselves, which is the fruit of repentance. Yea, what indignation. This is a little, this is difficult as well because it's probably their repentance led them to defend Paul. (laughs) They actually were a little upset at people who were accusing Paul of wrongdoing. So they had righteous indignation, we could say here. It was a result of, it was almost like everything was foggy until they repented, and then they could see that Paul was really after their good. They had clear sight. And I I got thinking, sometimes we sit and we listen to a sermon, and um, we wonder, What's God after this? But when we repent, we say, oh, now I see what God's doing in my heart. So there's this righteous indignation. Yea, what fear? This has to do with a reverence or a sensitive heart. I'd love to spend some time there, but we're running out of time. Yea, what vehement desire. And sometimes we think of vehement as as a, a negative word, but this is actually a positive word. It's really a holy longing what vehement desire, what, what strong reverence. There's revival. Yea, what zeal. That's a passion for God. Yea, what revenge. This is really an idea of being ready for truthfulness. There's a, there's a concern that we not be in error. This is a, a concern for truth. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear. Hmm. This is purity of heart. So that's a rapid treatment of this text, but I summarized with two, four, two, four, six, eight things that were the result of repentance. And let me just read these. And if you go back over verse 11, you're going to see these. So compare this with Psalm 81, where God says, I wish you would yield to me. I wish you'd submit to me. And now we see in, in 2 Corinthians 7, 
a people that repented and submitted to the Lord, and the results were these things. Seriousness of purpose, concerned about integrity, clear sight of righteousness, a sensitive heart, a strong reverence, a passion for God, an eagerness for truthfulness, and a purity of heart. This is revival. Can you imagine if everybody in your church tomorrow, you included and me included, if we came, if we all came with this fruit of repentance to our congregation, what might happen? What might what might God do if an entire congregation came with sensitive, repenting hearts? So if God were to burden your heart today to repent or to, God identifies an area of life that we need to repent before the Lord, could we do this and not be foolish but sensitive before the Lord? Because God's blessing involves repentance. And may it be that revival even starts with us as we're before the Lord today.